perfect storm, right? Heart damage, adrenaline pumping, turning off the anti-inflammatory activity by heightened testosterone. That equals cardiac arrest. And that's why you're seeing it so much everywhere uh, in this cohort, like this like 19, 25 year old male. So I have become a huge fan of my guest today who has been featured on so many publications, podcasts, news organizations that probably regret having him on since most sponsorships today are pharmaceutical companies and his view on healthcare system is very similar to mine. He's worked with elite athletes in all the major three-letter sports plus celebrities, CEOs to help them understand the peak performance, reversing aging. Uh, take power back when it comes to their healthcare and understanding our personal and very specific DNA. His expert knowledge in chronic disease, mental health, PTSD, and so much more is exactly what we need in the world today. So I would like to give a big loving welcome to Kashif Khan, the CEO and founder of the DNA Company. Hello, sir. Pleasure, man. Great to be here. Man, like I said, I, I've been deep diving on you for a little while, um, resharing everything possible to, to all, all the peeps that follow me as well. Um, I'd, I'd love to first just launch into the idea of this one size fits all when it, when it comes to everything across the board, I feel like obviously what you have figured out changes that for pretty much anything that we deal with on a daily, daily battle. Yeah, it truly is all the choices you have to make from diet to fitness to why do I feel this way when the other guy doesn't, you know, um, why is there this variability in outcome when we're doing the same things and eating the same things and having relationships with the same people? Your unique DNA instructs your biology. So it's kind of like a map or a guide to understand the inner workings of this body we walk, walk around in, right? And so if there's certain processes or jobs that are not being done at their utmost best, then that might be more of a threat for you. Or you may be overdoing a job, production of hormones or neurochemicals or whatever. So if you're not in this middle ground, then the same exposure, whether it's food, environment, again, relationship, anything has a different meaning for you. And so anyone seeking a solution, I'm trying to lose weight, you know, I can't get pregnant, my hair's falling out, you go try and find something, it's gonna work for four or five, five out of 10 people, two or three out of 10 people like, eh, it was okay. And two or three might be like, it actually got worse, right? Because you're targeting the symptom and there may be some system failure underlying that actually needs support. Uh, and that's where genetics plays a big role. It's like, where's that biological failure? Support that and all my problems go away. Yeah. So we're, uh, you know, I have a lot, a lot of people that follow this podcast are in the entertainment world and think the artist world and that kind of stuff. So I, I will jump into a little bit of how we can understand, one, our perception of how we perceive the world through our DNA and how that can affect what we do as performers or any of that. Uh, but I'd love to get, you know, I know you originally came from really the entrepreneurial background and then this was something that I would say knocked you on your ass and didn't give you a choice, but to dive into, uh, give me just a quick yeah. backstory so people know where you're coming from on that. Yeah. I had no clue what was going on in the healthcare system until five years ago. I was never sick. <laughs> So I ran a PR, yeah, I ran a PR marketing company. I helped startups grow. And all of a sudden I got crazy eczema. I literally couldn't open my left eye. I had intense migraines, psoriasis, gut issues, depression, like all of it hit me at the same time. 
uh, couldn't work properly, couldn't function. And so going to all these doctors, taking all these pills, taking all these tests. And I kept asking why, like, what did I eat? What did I do? You know, did I breathe something? And that was the first time I learned that they don't do that. It's like, here's what your disease is called. And here's the pill you're supposed to take. And I was blown away. Like, can't we dig a little deeper? And like, no, sorry, we don't do that here. And in Canada, that particular problem is probably even worse than the US because we have a single payer, the government that just pays for pills, right? So anyways, I started to dig and I started to learn more functional thinking about my body, integrative thinking from naturopaths, from various people. And I learned that, yeah, there is a way to look at root cause. And that's what drove me towards my unique genetics and understanding that there was big gaping holes in my genetic code that caused me to get sick when my business partner doing all the same stuff I was doing felt fine. You know, so um, so that was it. That was just it, it led me to, like you said, discover all of what's making everybody sick and learning that it's a choice. Right. Everything that you expose, to, it's truly a choice how sick you're going to be, how fast you're going to age, your, your libido, your memory, all that stuff. Uh, and I'm living proof that not only am I no longer sick, but I've actually tested my biological age and I've reversed it over a decade. Wow. Yeah. So I went from fix a problem to like truly optimize. So what did it, what was the path from that? So, so you obviously, you know, health problems kicked in and around what time did, cause we know, okay, so we just caught up to what we're at 33,000 something strains of DNA that we're now aware of in the human body. Right. Right. So at what point did you really catch up to understanding most of that to where, yes, they just finished mapping everything, but you probably knew a good portion of this before obviously the rest of us caught up to what's going on yeah so the first go around and this was one of my big i would say contributions or what i knew i needed to do and why i literally walked away from my marketing company handed it to my business partner and said you keep it i, I found what i got to work on right that's literally what happened so when i first used genetics as a tool it didn't work because genetics was also being driven by this pharma thinking of find the disease and find the therapy which gene equals which disease and that may be true of genetic conditions, you know, like you're born with like, some, for example, sickle cell syndrome, you have it. There's a genetic variant that equals that directly. But the majority of what we're dealing with, cancers, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, depression, all these things are chronic. You develop them, you cause them. You're not born with any of those things, right? So that's where there was a gap and genetics couldn't answer my question. So I had to learn kind of, again, being that entrepreneur, looking at it from a different angle that wait a second, I do see some red flags in my DNA. And I'll give you an example. So when I looked at my genomic map, there's a gene called GSTM1. And it's possible with that gene to have something called a copy number variation, meaning it's not only about what version or what variant, you might not even have the gene, absolutely missing, which is the case for me. So this very important piece of code is missing from my instruction manual. Yeah. That code drives the detoxification of the gut. So it's a first primary line of defense to prevent plastics, toxins, food colorings, et cetera, from entering your bloodstream. They should be detoxified at that, at that location, right? I don't have the gene, so I don't do that job. My ancestors probably didn't need it. So now fast forward, I'm in downtown Toronto eating lunch out every day with clients thinking that it's healthy, but it still has seed oils. It still came out of a plastic bag. It's still, who knows what was done with it. And so that led to this crazy dysbiotic state of my gut, which led to leaky gut, which led to some of the migraines and eczema and some of these other things. And so 
again, park my symptoms, I fixed that. I learned how to eat and what supplements I needed to take to support the thing that my body didn't do on its own. And what do you know? Symptoms start to go away. The things that I was told I have to take pills for for life don't exist anymore. And that didn't take long. It was like a matter of a few months. Then you get to this optimal state where the terrain is healthy. Then you can start to do you know, biohacking type longitudinal yeah. things, right? So that's kind of the journey I went through. Yeah, it's always interesting to me that, you know, we we all go into the biohacking thinking, oh, cool, I can do all this stuff. But in reality, that stuff literally may be the detriment to your health if you didn't take an, yeah. take an assessment first to go, okay, I know these things are affected. Is there something outside of obviously running through a full um, breakdown of your DNA are there things that you can kind of look at people structurally, physically, you know, the way they're built, obviously our, our backgrounds, our histories, all that stuff that already yeah. gives you an idea of like most likely, you know, 80% chance you shouldn't be dealing with lagoons every day. You shouldn't be eating meat every day, you, you know? Yeah. So we've now gone to the point where because this research study that we set up where we, we literally clinically interviewed people, right? So th this is another thing that was missing. Geneticists and clinicians didn't talk. So there's all these guys studying DNA and there's these guys that are supposed to apply it and they never connected, right? So it was always- yeah, Sounds like America. Big, <laughs> yeah. So I realized again, looking from the outside, that's the research that was needed. This is why genetics didn't apply to chronic disease because the, the frontline people using the tool never received the right data, right? So, so we spent three years studying 7,000 people one by one by one, all anecdotal, like let's fix your problem. Right. And, and until we fix your problem, this DNA is useless because if it's not that personalized, why are we using DNA? Right. So we, we did that, fixed 7,000 problems. And in that, documented what we call the phenotype. Here's your list of genes. That's your genotype. The physical manifestation of that is your phenotype. And I do know now, just by looking at you, that you are more androgenized. You make a lot of testosterone. Right. But you're also co-dominant you have a you're not making DHT which is sort of the potent manly man version you're making a clean androgen uh, and you're making some estrogens also I can tell that from your hairline from your jawline from what's going on structurally right uh, neurochemical de deployment binding clearance you can kind of tell from your behavior the way your eyes move the way you respond so we've now learned what what genes drive what physical traits what biological function and therefore we can reverse engineer them, right? So we're gonna to get to this point where AI can ask you 10 questions and like, here's your DNA report. You know? So crazy. And you know, it's yeah. it's interesting, you know, cause obviously from where I come from in, in our, I say actor world, but my, my acting kind of took a bit of a spin. Uh, diving into acting dove, helped me dive deeper into my own spirituality, which drove me into science, mm -hmm. which then circled me back around to spirituality. And yeah. And I really pride myself on on understanding behavior of people and just, you know, kind of understanding where their shoes were first, understand how they're walking now, if you, if you want to let, say it that way. So it's really cool that that this is like this is like ripping the skin off and being able to see yeah. someone and understand how you can affect them with with all of this information. Um what would you say was be something helpful for actors, the people that, you know, we we literally do behavior for a living. We we have to take in a certain amount of information and then find ways. Cause I know that I, I know I'm pretty good at imprinting. You know, I know I can take something quickly and allow it to be mine per se and, and let myself live with that during periods of time, especially for, for what I do. But what would you say is something that would be really helpful for us as artists and actors to do to help increase our, 
our imagination and our creativity allow us to kind of connect to that, that for lack of better words, that infinite intelligence that lets us kind of flow in the moment. So everything about uh, mood and behavior, executive function, that's my favorite part of what we do. Oh, get into it. Because it's the most, yeah, it's, it's the most sort of gray area where most geneticists don't even believe that this is possible, yeah. right? Because again, studying the genes, studying the neurochemical, how does that equal the, you know, your behavior? That That requires interpretation. That requires meeting people. So the first answer is, there's no one size fits all. The thing we started with, meaning what is your superpower? So what one thing we learn is people that come to us with words like addiction, anxiety, depression, burnout, the same thing that's driving those words is also their superpower if they were in the right context. It can be kryptonite, it can be superpower depending on the wiring you were given and now what are you doing with it? And I'll use myself as an example, and this is especially true in the arts, like acting, writing, etc., there's a way that for you, you will excel. And there's a way in the exact same job with a different cognitive profile that you're going to drown and crash, right? So one size fits all doesn't work. It's identifying who am I up here and then using that superpower. So for me, let's talk about the chemical dopamine. Dopamine um, is the ability to experience satisfaction, ultimately. So pleasure, we think of it as a pleasure chemical. It's also a reward chemical, achievement. Both of those things lead to satisfaction. The way your brain deals with dopamine, genetically, there's a gene that determines how dense the receptors are. So you smell that tasty food, you start to anticipate pleasure, your body starts to deploy dopamine. Now you need to actually bind it in these receptors to get that hit, that wow, right? The level of density of your receptors, again, the job that your body does is determined by the version of the gene. So I have the slim to none receptors, the worst version of the DRD2 gene. Very hard for me to bind and experience intensity of pleasure, right? Then there's a gene called MAO, which sort of breaks the dopamine down because eventually you need to get back to normal, so it metabolizes it. Then there's another gene called COMP, which kind of sweeps that broken metabolite up, truly clears it out. So my dopamine receptors are way down here, slim to none, and my MAO and COMP are super fast fast as they could possibly be that so leads kind of, to depression. yeah so it's kind of like that the dull and numb for most like you don't get super excited about much well so now this leads to the opposite it leads to high reward seeking behavior because i can't get satisfaction so you're always after right? it so, yes so now i pursue it far beyond the normal person so i'm either depressed if i don't try and challenge myself i'm depressed that's my baseline default right? Or I'm addicted because I went down the pleasure route and I found something and I kept doing it and doing it. Or I become high achievement oriented because I go down the reward route and I also can't stop progressing up that ladder. And this is why you see this correlation between actors that are at the top of their game that the next month are suicidal, yeah. right? Lose that big contract. Like the, the delta value of how low they can get to, it's just a very big crash, right? So, um, so that's one example. There's many, many, yeah. you know, um, you, one more thing I'll talk about, cause you brought it up imprinting. Yeah. So your adrenaline response, the adra 2 b gene will actually determine how efficiently you imprint. And there's some people that have the optimal version of that gene that don't imprint emotion very well. And they appear to be cold, not caring, a uh, low EQ, right? But they also are highly resilient and can plow through and make the same mistake twice and, 
you know, work with that person that screwed them, right? Versus I imprint or I, at a sort of clinical level, imprint and then it equals PTSD. Yeah. And you can follow one of these three buckets. And we will find typically that artists will be in this sort of middle ground, this functional, whenever I have that stimulus and more so negative than positive stimulus, not only do I remember the information, but I remember the, exactly what it feels like. And the next time something like that happens again, I see that person, I walk down that street, I smell that thing. It's like I just continued from last time. The feeling comes back, not just the information. Yeah. That's that imprint that is caused by adrenaline. So when you were able to do that, yeah, your ability to then communicate it is is like it's a, it's a superpower, right? Yeah, so I feel like that or like that almost separate, you know, back in the day they used to always ask actors, are you a comedy or a drama actor? And and hearing you mm -hmm. say that literally puts you in the bucket right off the bat because if you're able to yes. allow the feelings of all the negative stuff that sticks much easier versus the you know happy go lucky stuff, unless you're playing just a humongously negative person in the comedy which which makes sense <laughs> outside of that it kind of it automatically knowing that tells you your strength of comedy versus drama yeah for sure and now all of a sudden you can start to and we do this with management teams students. You know, like, what is your superpower? What are you wired to be? And if you take a dopamine pathway that's the opposite of mine, very high intensity, so that it's very easy to experience pleasure and very slow, you'll often find that artists fit in that bucket. Why? Because you're so constantly satisfied that you're not necessarily seeking reward. It's a lot easier to say, no, mm. I'm not interested, which allows you to then focus on what you're actually interested in and binge and dive deep in that. And the slow clearance makes you sort of get stuck in that pleasure response, which equals a binge. It's very different than addiction. And when you find people that, again, artists, writing, acting, you need to be able to stay in that thing for hours, if not days, as opposed to reward-seeking behavior, the next thing, swirl effect, right? So what we often find that artists have that kind of a profile. So and as you say that, it brings you back to, so the idea of this epigenetics where you know, there are some actors, and I feel like back in the day, normally you're doing plays versus TV and film where it's, you know, we're, we're constantly moving, switching, changing, and tons of auditioning versus, you know, here's the role you're going to be working on for the next six months. Now go spend a month preparing and diving into this human blah, blah, blah. I love doing feature film where I get to take this this, you know, Bible, as we call it, and, and allow all these things to be mine and let myself become a portion of taking on a little bit of that ego and, you know, connecting myself mm -hmm. in as if I've gone through the circumstances of this human and then go let myself live through it. With TV, it's so quick and so fast. You're spitting out auditions nonstop. The ones you get, you, you mostly prep during the audition. You go in, you film on to the next thing. I feel like one with this epigenetics dealing, meaning meaning with epigenetics from our cell phones of that reward system we've switched to now in the auditions, <laughs> everyone's always just audition, yay, fuck. Audition, yay, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> How yeah. much would you say that that affects your, your DNA or is that kind of the same thing? It's going to affect you differently, obviously. Yeah. So now again, there's a shift in context. So different people are going to thrive. Right. What used to be the superpower that got you to the finish line is no longer true. And you see this like TikTok, Instagram, one minute real actor, right? Content creator, try and switch that into a feature film. You know, that there's a diff very different way for the brain to operate. Uh, there's a gene called BDNF 
that drives BDNF, brain-derived neurotrophic factor. And its primary purpose is neuroplasticity, your brain's ability to develop neural pathways. So that speaks to a few things, mood in one, in the context of how much do things mean, right? So now you think of the actor who really becomes the character, right? Who really like, you know, the Joker movie, for example, you know, like, like took over his life, right? So that's a bad version of BDNF, which leads to great things if used in the right context. Right. I apply so much meaning to this. I cannot do a half-assed job. I have to dive deep. When I respond to an email, it's not, okay, thanks. It's two pages, right? That level of thinking. But try and get me to learn a new skill, and I'm going to stumble and fumble and look like a fool. Until I figure that out, and I'm also going to do that better than anyone else. So th that's one trait of BDNF where, again, if you learn that about yourself, then the thing that maybe someone's telling you you're failing at is not what you're wired for. Do it in this way, this context. Be the subject matter expert versus the Jack or Jill of all trades, yeah. and then you will thrive. Or vice versa. You might have the best BDNF, and then you don't want to be the subject matter expert, right? I feel like that's where I fall is uh, I've... Even since high school, like I, I would take on every sport, get good the first year, and then my coaches hated it because I would <laughs> next sport, give yeah. me something new, give me something yeah. new, which is you know part of the reason I jumped into acting. It was something where I literally am going to get a new deal every time I start something mm -hmm. else. It was I had to learn to short version of master something as I could. Would you say that's kind of probably the same thing that deals with your your genes that kind of deal with manifestation because you know. When we're dealing with our, our actor side of stuff, we are allowing ourselves to live in this as if moment, which is similar to what people do when they're talking about manifestation. You know, let yourself act as if this is already yours. Enjoy the pleasures like you already have. So would you say it's probably the same effect that, that you're dealing with when it comes to the actor that would dive in and get lost in the role? I mean, I've <laughs> the last the last feature film I did was a husband that his it was a horror film, so there's some of some details that didn't come out on the other end. But his wife ended up being sick, and he moves. He's now a contractor and helping his wife heal from this problem she's having. And then I came home after fin finishing the film. My wife started having hormone issues. I started running oh. a contracting company. <laughs> wow. So, so, yeah, so when it comes to like literally the word manifest, um, it's interesting that you ask that question because usually people don't put these two things together. That's like a spiritual thing. And we're talking about biochemistry in the body, but that's actually how it happens. What happens is your mitochondria, which are the power source for your cells. So every cell has mitochondria in it, which uses oxygen and nutrition to create energy, right? Constantly. Uh, and it's also a signaling center. So your mitochondria is constantly looking out and signaling for threats to tell you, like you can kind of feel somebody sneaking up behind me, right? So that's the receptor. Now your DNA actually sends signals out. And the way it works is picture the, the that helix, you know, that, that ladder that's like twisted. That, so where the rungs meet the sides are actual uh, signal points that send signals out, meaning that when you truly believe something, your body acts as if it's real. Your body can't tell the difference between a thought and a reaction, yeah. right? If you truly, truly believe it to the point where your body believes it's real, it starts to behave as if that thing is real. 
which means that you will start to put your DNA will literally signal out into your magnetic field, which every one of us has around us. And this has all been proven through quantum physics. Now it used to be a woo-woo theory, but it, you know these guys just won a Nobel Prize this year for quantum entanglement, where some of this theory was brought about. Right? You your thoughts that become beliefs that are real. Your DNA is actually where you manifest them out. Now, why is this important? Because if you aren't healthy and your DNA is oxidized and damaged because you eat garbage food and you're overstressed and undersleeped, you can't manifest because your DNA truly, the hardware is damaged. And this is what aging is. Aging is the oxidation and damage of the DNA and the unraveling of the cells. That's why you start to see sagging skin and white hair. The cells are falling apart yeah. and it starts with DNA damage and DNA oxidation. So in order to, and this is why you see health and spirituality sort of come up together, right? Because as soon as you get there, you see the world differently. Your beliefs put things out there that you couldn't do before. And you're, you're able to receive signals you couldn't before because your mitochondria are also flourishing. So sorry to go on a oh, rant, please but rant. that's the technical answer. <laughs> please rant. So I, uh, <laughs> you know, I finished, I finished a film. I, I restarted a film right as pandemic, pandemic dropped. And towards the, you know, letting go of pandemic issues i guess we'll call it for now without getting in that um the yeah. film we started we were like the first film back in atlanta where we were in savannah georgia shooting this film and um right after right after that we obviously we shut down and blah 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 so there was and then we had a, a writer strike and an actor strike so all the world turned in on whatever else i was doing with my life for a good portion of it i i got amazing time with my daughter she's three so i literally got something that no one would have been able to have. So I'm super appreciative of it. But I had been playing with the idea for years because I coach actors as well, which I've been doing for 15 plus something years at this point. And a lot of, I was usually the, the weird woo woo coach because <laughs> I've put together this, I have three books that are coming. One just dropped. And the, the initial one is the gift, the actor's gift to manifestation the X one is the, mm. the actor alchemist and then uh, breaking beliefs and uh, creating creating perspectives or something like the last one. But the idea was basically that using using what we do in acting and these techniques that we use to then implement them on let me let me help myself focus on the goal of who I who I see myself to be in the future of what I want to become, you know, all the goal setting you have, and then retroactively coming back and building out the the character of yourself that's that's you in the future mm. you you connect with that perspective and let it um fill you in on how it got to that place so that you can now start using the techniques we use to help your belief system commit more to this daily practice of i'm a successful actor every day i wake up i i work on my scripts i do my thing i work on my meditation i go to the gym whatever the things are that you now believe make you that human being you're subscribing mm. to it helps increase on the manifestation. So, so to me, manifestation, the science and spirituality has always been together. So I love bringing that up. So please harp on any of that as much as you want. <laughs> yeah. And so what you just talked about is also, uh, call it health coaching wise, how we think about behavior change, meaning that it's one thing to get your DNA and learn. There's a, there's some widget broken in my body. So I don't make hormones properly or whatever the problem is. Uh, and then now what do you do about it? Cause that's where most people stop. Oh, amazing report, stuff it in a shelf and never look at it again. Right. People don't in, in, in implement the learnings. So more on a technical level, 
where we're trying to get people to uh, is identity change, which is kind of equivalent to manifesting. Mm -hmm. So it starts with don't try and be the biohacker. You just watched a video or listened to a podcast and like, I'm going to go do that, what that person did. Well, they've probably been doing it for a decade and they probably didn't start what they're telling you they're doing today, right? They had to ramp up to that. So first, just deal with the acute problem. Like, what's the mess? I have headaches, I have acne. Okay, let's just get that out of the, the pain point out of the way to then get your body ready to optimize. So step one of six is literally just designing a habit. But I can't sleep at night. For example, I can't sleep at night. Maybe there's a genetic redesign. Maybe my circadian rhythm, my clock doesn't work. And we can determine that genetically. So I have trouble falling asleep at night. So I know I need less blue light exposure. Designing a habit is like, and only thinking about it at this point, I, I need to put my laptop away by 10 p.m. Right? Then step two is like you're actually structuring it. So how do I do that? Okay, I'm going to set an alarm on my phone and I'm going to actually make it happen. Right? Then step three is I'm going to scale that habit with meaning, okay, I got my laptop done. I'm also now going to turn the lights off. I'm also going to get my whole family to turn all the Wi-Fi off. And I'm going to make sure this also happens at my mom's home where I go once a week to visit her. Right? So I'm scaling that same thing. Now you redo that with a difficult habit, which is the thing that you weren't willing to do on day one, which I'm going to call my boss and say that I can't work after 6 p.m. Right? Because of my health, the difficult habit. So once you got there, you're kind and this is, um, this is like two, three months of uh, work compressed in yeah. 20 seconds, right? Now you're able to, um, what we call experience identity change. It's no longer, I'm trying to work out. It's I go to the gym. Yeah, of course I go to the gym, right? Like you truly believe it Taking and on that going through these micro steps. Yeah. You, this is one of the, so trying to like sit there and like mm, meditate manifest, right? So there's, there's all, yes, truly believe it, but take micro steps to get you yeah. there, right? Set yourself up for success. And then once you've experienced that identity change, the very final step is advocacy. You become the source of change for everyone around you, right? You're so, you you become the personal trainer, right? From I was on the couch, I the personal, and now everyone comes asking you for advice. It's very hard to come back from there. Yeah, because yeah, now you're everyone believes that this is what you. Uh, it's funny because you um, when I was when I was younger is when I kind of decided okay, acting is what I'm going to do, and uh, yeah, I, you know, middle school I think I started doing some stuff. I lived I was based in Louisiana originally, and I was working out of Houston. So some people at my high school knew what I did, but I didn't really talk about it much. But the girl I was dating at the time, I was trying to figure out how to how to break this off easy. And I was like, look, you know, I'm, I'm an actor now and I'm, I'm going to have to move to L.A. soon. So we should probably just – I don't want it to be hard later. Then I committed because I'm like, shit, that's the reason we yeah. broke up. I've got to – I got to follow through with it. <laughs> so, so here's – we might have to do this again, but um, what we do – we'll and you might, this might be something you guys do already, but – and in, in what we use as a character breakdown for for actors, right? It's your you go through you know who's the character's name, their background, where they're from, what's their religion, their sexual background, literally everything that you know about yourself. You take and go through and, and get an idea of one based on the Bible, right? Based on our our script that we're given already. Okay, here's our facts. Now, if all this is true, then what? And you can go through and continue to build, right? If if I know he's Catholic, well, then 
I also know where this, you know, Christopher name came from. I know where. So we're kind of, you know, building this human and, and letting ourselves kind of connect with it as we go. I start for actors first. I don't give them character. I don't give them script. I give them character breakdown and I say, do this on you. Do, do the character mm. breakdown as if you were breaking down yourself. So they kind of retroactively go back and go through their history, who their parents were, or why they were named what they were, what their religious background is, and why they ended up going that way. Because to me, it's always interesting with religion when you ask someone of like, okay, you you're, you know truly believe in all this stuff. What do you think would happen if you would have been born to your neighbor instead of you? Mm. Oh, shit. <laughs> I would have been yeah. a completely different religion because blah, blah, blah. So... I, I'll, I'll give them this character breakdown, and then after we've kind of done that, then we can work our way through each of them. And if they have, you know, what we call a little a notch on the belt, all right, that's that's a memory that's affected you still, that's giving you issue, that that's holding you back from. So we'll kind of go into a little quick meditative state. We'll go into the detail of what the memory was, what it smelled yeah. like there, what the place was like, how the lights were, what the other person smelled like, you know, and then we'll go and change what the conversation was. For actors, we'll usually go for the first one, I'll do something like a, you know, that was a person, this was a person that told you acting is a really stupid idea. No one, <laughs> no one succeeds in this. 98% um, of our union doesn't work. It's just kind of factual. So then we go back and change the story and say, okay, now, instead of that, I want you to re relive it again, up until the point that they come over to you. And now they say, I really love that this is the choice you made. I could always see you do it. And they say supportive stuff that builds you into a yeah. story that, of course, affects your body that then lets you leave this funk in the past. So now anytime the mm. story of, you know, what made you want to be an actor, that triggers the support system that kind of builds up their their change of who they're becoming now. So it might be an interesting thing. I don't know if you guys play with that at all, but something you can use is those little things to either give a negative memory or you know putting a negative notch in of if I don't turn my cell phone off, this kicks in, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you're kind of tweaking their little behaviors in that route. Yeah, so definitely in terms of neural mapping, you can. it's a lot easier to figure out what the catalyst is going to be. It's not the same for everybody, right? So that exercise makes sense. Yeah. And now what do you latch on to that's going to take you all the way? For some people, it is going to be that deep meaning that, um, you know, that for me, this is my my art, right? It's it's an emotional thing I have to express. That That's what it is for some people. And they're going to go do that. For some people, it may be the reward-seeking behavior. Like, I need to get rich and famous, right? right? And, and without that, they lose interest, you know? And they may have a job that you know, is a highly respectful job, but it doesn't give them the front end screen time. They don't want it. Right. Mm -hmm. So that reward seeking behavior. So understanding what fuels you, uh, there's some people that have a dysregulated serotonin response. So serotonin is this neurochemical that we know is like a mood regulator. So here's this incoming stimulus, good, happy, sad, bad. Are you responding like appropriate for what's going on? Or are you like up and down? Right. So when your serotonin receptor is a little shorter, you can't bind enough and you're kind of bouncing around and you, you appear to be more irritable. You appear to get frustrated easily. Some people might say you have ADHD. It's not actually ADHD. It's actually, it's the opposite of attention deficit. It's hyperattention. You notice every little thing. And so you give everything attention. 
And so we find these people have this a drive that we call like a high functioning anxiety, right? Can't rest until the job is done. Everyone around me is, doesn't do it good enough. I can only do it right myself, right? So they, they fall into that leadership role. And that's the person where they're either leading or everything falls apart. Yeah. Depression, anxiety, you know, um, and there's really nothing in the middle for them. So you start to understand who you are and pursue that. And you'll st- succeed if you pursue that right channel, right? So I've heard you talk about how obviously you 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 did your DNA testing and stuff on the kids and, and it's really helped you on that. I'm obviously a parent. There the uh right now we deal with the finding something you'll eat that <laughs> you know, we're at that stage. Um what are what is obviously for you you had specific breakdowns, so you were able to kind of realize that each of your kids had a different approach to even just studying and learning. Yeah. Can you jump into that for a sec? Yeah, so the intention, I mean, when you think about health and genetic testing, you don't think about children off the yeah. bat. Uh, but it was kind of inadvertent where I was told by a teacher that my middle son, three kids, middle son had ADHD and, you know, he's going to need medication. I was like, hell no. Right. So I looked at his DNA. And by the way, the same thing was happening at home. Can't focus, can't pay attention. The thing that stood out, I wasn't looking for ADHD. I was looking for, again, poor biological function. What job stands out as a major red flag? You don't do this job well. And the thing that stood out was AMY1, which is a gene responsible to metabolize starches. Worst possible version. So starch led to a coma, a carb crash. Insulin response, TCF7L2, which is a gene that dictates how efficiently your body deploys insulin in response to that starchy food and sugary food. Also worst possible. So you had this inability to metabolize starches. You had this inability to deal with the insulin response. And there's a serotonin dysregulation, which is causes every input and sensorial input to be like exaggerated, right? And every little detail is noticed. Homework happened after dinner in a South Asian home where there was rice every day. And this kid was literally in a coma. The teachers that are complaining at school were complaining after lunch. So he didn't have a brain problem. He had a metabolic problem. You know, and imagine like how many kids are out there on medication and it's still not working, you know? So it it was just adjusting diet, adjusting timing, adding some supplementation. There's something called berberine that allows you to break down sugars and starches faster, right? It's kind of like a nature's Ozempic, let's say. Um, So just a few tweaks and all of a sudden this problem doesn't exist. That's really cool. So right. they've, you know, because they've connected even with like autism and things of that nature. A, a good portion is metabolism issues, the you know not being able to break down to process stuff, you know, lost detox issues. Yeah, yeah, and this is why you see, you know, there's more autism in the United States per capita than any country in the world. Yeah. Uh, it's also the worst food and the the most powerful chemical lobby. So not surprising. You have three generations ago, one in ten thousand kids was autistic. And now there is a real thing called autism, a genetic condition that kids are born with. And those are usually the acute versions, like truly need support full time, right? The majority of what we call autism today, when we went from one in 10,000, next generation was one in 500. Today, it's one in 38. For boys, And this right? is according to the... For boys Sorry? there, or is it, is it high? It's higher for... It definitely, boys, right? it's in general, but it's, it's much more pronounced in boys. Yeah. Right? And there's a easy reason for that. It's like, you know, testosterone 
mitigates inflammation. So when you're in, so what's going on? This whole argument over the certain medication cause autism in my kids and the pharma companies say, well, we've tested it. It doesn't do anything. And they're right, by the way. But the parents are also right that he was fine the day before <laughs> and the day after everything changed. So what happened? Well, the serum has heavy metals, you know, potent toxins. Um, and at that age, a child is underdeveloped, like neurologically. Yeah. They don't have the same skull and brain as an adult. And so they're much more prone to inflammation. So if you dump these heavy metals into the bloodstream, all of a sudden you get neural inflammation. And then the kid gets a fever. And then the doctor says, take some Tylenol. The Tylenol, in order to be metabolized, acetaminophen is the active ingredient, uses your glutathione pathway. Glutathione is your master antioxidant, which is the exact pathway you need to get rid of the heavy metals. So you're adding something to react to the fever, which interrupts the one thing that maybe would have saved you and cleared those heavy metals. And so all of a sudden you have this kid getting brain damage. They don't have a disease. They have neural inflammation. And now if you add on top of that, the, their methylation response, which is a second phase of detox, fighting the inflammation, a lot of us don't do well there. And you need certain B vitamins and folate and, you know, folinic acid and different things different people may need. And our food doesn't give us that anymore. Right. So the, the systems that would have fought the inflammation and protected from this perfect storm of everything else we said, that system also wasn't working because the food is depleted of the nutrients you need in order for those systems to fire. So this is why, you know, in two generations, going from one in 10,000 to one in 38, you cannot possibly call that a disease that's innate. Mm -hmm. It's caused something changed. We didn't evolve in two generations. In fact, it's clear the genetics are the same, yeah. right? We, we haven't evolved in a quarter million years. Go back 250,000 years, our genes are the same. My overall goal is to help people find tools and processes that can increase your health and wellness, all while building the life you desire. You all know how important ingredients are to me, and that's why I want to share Organifi with you. I use a lot of their tools, and here's why. All of their products are USDA organic, certified gluten-free, glyphosate residue-free, non-GMO verified, and supported by Vitamin Angels. Everything is sourced from ethical farms and delivered in sustainable packaging. You can go to OrganifiShop.com and use code WESH20 for a whopping 20% off. Now back to the show. Right. All that's changed is the input, environment, nutrition, lifestyle, and you have a, a, a medication schedule of over 80. God. You know, it's the only country in the world where that's happening. Over 80 of them as a child. You know, what do you expect? You don't have to yeah, what do you, exactly. What do you think is going to happen? Why is it one in 38? Well, yeah, some kids have amazing detox systems and they eat perfect food and they live in the forest and they have no chemicals. Yeah. So the total load is not there, right? But the majority of kids aren't living like no. that. No, there's obviously been a a heightened amount of people that have been passing under the age of 50 currently. Uh, and I just had a friend pass. It was a, one of my best friend's older brothers. And from what they knew, the, the reply was that, oh, everything came back and just said it was natural causes. I mean, he's fucking 49. There's nothing <laughs> natural about the cause at 49. Yeah. 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 And you see these athletes that are collapsing, uh, it's the, the, th the sad thing is the science is known. Yeah. I didn't discover something new, right? The, 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 the various pieces of the science are already known. They're just not being put together together in the right context. What's the science? Okay. High performance athlete, uh, LeBron James son, 
collapse of cardiac arrest. Best food, best everything. Why is this kid collapsing at 19? Well, took a certain medication, which causes, it's now known, cardiac inflammation, endothelium, which is the lining of the blood vessel, and cardiac inflammation. And it leads to somewhat of a scar tissue, right? Like damage, physical damage. So you have this unique phenomenon where people that die in their sleep usually die between 3 to 6 a.m. That is the time of your peak adrenaline production. Mm -hmm. And adrenaline is a vasoconstrictor. So if you already have a heart that has been acutely damaged by something you just did, and you're probably going to recover over time, but for now it's not in good shape, and you have inflammation, and on top of that you add the high-performance athlete at peak adrenaline constricting those the, the dilation of those vessels, and you have a 19-year-old boy who's at peak testosterone. That's actually the peak age for testosterone. Testosterone fights, uh, sorry, prevents the um, some of the tools you need to fight the inflammation caused by adrenaline. Perfect storm, yeah. right? Heart damage, adrenaline pumping, turning off the anti-inflammatory activity by heightened testosterone. That equals cardiac arrest. And that's why you're seeing it so much everywhere uh, in this cohort, like yeah. this like 19, 25 year old male, right? And this is why you're seeing in 40 to 50 year olds, they just announced that um, there's been a 80% increase in cancers in people between the age of, I think 15 to 44 in the last few years. The US military who has one of the most respected a healthcare databases in the world. They do a lot of tracking of everything. And it's it's a lot of researchers use it because it's such a big population yeah. of people that gets tracked. They're, uh, they announced earlier this year- Performance too, usually people that are pretty usually, active. Yeah. yeah. They announced uh, earlier this year, a 478% increase in breast cancer in service women in the last two years, right? So you're seeing all this stuff, which is, what are all these diseases? It's inflammation and immunity. The, the top 15 killers in the United States, 14 of them are rooted in inflammation. So if you don't have inflammation, you cannot get the top 15 diseases, 14, sorry. And by the way, the one that's not inflammation out of those 15, which is actually the number three cause of death in the United States is medical error, a doctor making a mistake. Right usually the wrong drug. So that also is rooted in inflammation because if you aren't sick, you're not going to the doctor, yeah. right? So inflammation is one big one. What are all the detox pathways? What are the incoming threats that are going to cause my cells to degrade, get oxidized and inflamed? The other one is immune response. How well does my body fight the cancer cells, which are, by the way, already there? We all have it right. all the time, but your immune system is constantly fighting them off. So if you suppress that immunity and increase inflammation, it's not a difficult puzzle to yeah, solve. Yeah, and if I'm understanding correctly, that, that helper T cell that would normally be doing a little bit of the help to keep the cancer at bay is also hyper-focused towards this other thing that it's trying to, to keep at bay as well now, so it's not getting to do the work that it normally does. So that's why they're coming up with this new um, turbo cancer term that's starting to get thrown around a bit as well, yes. right? The inner workings... If you truly understand all that's what's going on in your body, it is phenomenal. Like if you just take a cell and look at the map of a cell yeah. and what's going on in that cell, blow your mind the complexity. But that complexity is also balanced to perfection, right. right? We are designed to thrive. We are designed to be healthy. We are designed to be resilient and fight. So throw a major monkey wrench in there 
And like you said, derail a major project, then yeah, something, a process, sorry, something else is going to fail. Yeah. Right. We're not designed for that kind of massive acute or even the chronic ongoing, you know, inputs of chemicals and pesticides, whatever we are. Our body thinks that we live in a cave and we walk out of the cave and we pluck something out of the ground and stab an animal and eat it and spend time with our family. Yeah. So that's what your body is designed for. So do you think and uh, I'd heard you mention on, on, on it might have been uh, impact theory that you were you were talking about it. But the the new there was something past new for our government having to do with kind of our um, genetic coding and how they're starting to learn to change things. Do you think we're kind of setting ourselves up or the powers that be, I guess we could say, are, are setting this up to where it's it's a necessity that we have to start combining this this A.I. and things to to start helping our body to deal with what we are doing to the world and our earth and everything else that we eat and, you know, just trying to switch everything over to this mechanical shit. For <laughs> so there's, again, puzzle pieces yeah. and you start to look at them and there's the conspiracy theory that seems to be where we're going, yeah. right? And what is it? We know that by 2045, male don't, men don't have sperm anymore. The data is already showing there's a 1% annual decline. And by 2045, there's zero sperm count. Well, zero potency or fertility in males. That has now jumped to 2.64%. It used to be 1%. It's not in that based on the 1% by 2045, there's no fertility. Based on all the hormone disruption that's happening in women, you're also seeing currently 30% infertility. One in three couples is going to an infertility doctor to get pregnant, and a lot of them aren't successful, yeah. right? So those numbers are going towards humanity will only survive with manufactured humanity. Now, today, in Europe, you have womb labs that have been developed. There's actual companies that have said, ta-da, yeah. we created this factory where babies can be developed for nine months in this artificial womb, Right. You also have companies that are saying, we no longer need egg and sperm to produce a human. We can do it from stem cells and we can just implant them into that womb, right? So now you look at all these pieces and you look at what's happening with the very purposeful breakdown of the family illness and what you just said, which is there was a bill passed and signed by the federal government that says that we essentially are holders of software that needs upgrades and what's being referred to as our DNA. This is a signed bill. Yeah. This is not conspiracy theory, right? Which means that uh, just like you've been hearing that we're going to become hackable humans, it's a statement that's been going around. It's already been signed and into play that uh, this, I think they call it a bioengineering industry is going to develop. So they're, they're claiming it as like an economic boon. But if you read the actual language, it's saying that your, your, your internal workings are going to be, patentable and upgradable like software and you're going to need those updates so if you look at all these pieces that's what it kind of looks like is like there's no family there's no it's it's just the state and population yeah it's so crazy so no. i um i mentioned my wife would have been going through some hormone stuff so she was kind of you know getting all that in order and there was an integrative medicine doctor here locally that that we we had met with and i randomly during pandemic uh his wife and i had started chatting um, on the subject of these therapeutics 
And, and we kind of, you know, hit it off chatting about that kind of stuff. And then when this happened, I was like, oh, I know a perfect place. Let's go chat with them. And he also uh, goes around teaching stem cell therapy of how to basically to help your, you know, bones reheal or joints and that kind of stuff. And when we were chatting, he was saying, you know, he obviously doesn't say any of this out loud because there's so many people losing licensings and all that. But he was saying they, they, they don't even, they're not able to use stem cells that they're getting from someone that's already had those therapeutics. I just found a company um, that is harvesting stem cells for pure blood, let's say, people, right? So because that's a real yeah. problem, a real problem for many things. You know, I'm in Canada. Uh, we had this uh, problem where, you know, if you hadn't taken medication, you can't go to the hospital, but your organs were premium and in demand. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> we need, we need your products, but <laughs> yeah. Thank God. So yeah, it's really, so we, it tells you that both sides of the science are understood because they're both being implemented, but for whatever outcome is desired, you know? So, but that's absolutely true. We are seeing that there's already this burgeoning industry of people that are looking for pure and clean medical products. So this right? will probably come back to, to some of this because, you know, I, I find this super interesting and, and I know you, you love this area as well. Is there, are there genes in the body that tend to, and obviously there's a version, but that tend to lean people of their politics, their religions, their beliefs, levels of belief system when it comes to their politics and things? Like are, are, when you were breaking down 7,000 people, you basically said? Yeah. Did you, did you notice that there were certain genes that obviously also lean to people that were leaning on the Republican side or the Democratic side or... So it's it there it's open to interpretation, yeah. meaning it's not as prescriptive as this gene makes estrogen, so I know you make too much yeah. estrogen, right? There's input required, which is your context of people your own, but definitely heavy weighted towards I think it's gonna look like this. So first of all, BDNF, which we talked about, uh, is a powerful promoter of belief. So when your BDNF is suboptimal. Uh, you become that subject matter expert, but you truly deeply believe what you're doing. And so you'll find spirituality, religion, which leads to more conservative mm -hmm. thinking, right? In that bucket. Androgenization and testosterone. Like if you look at um, the conservative males, they're usually more manly men, let's say, right? In their habits and how they behave, yeah. exactly, you know, that type of thing. And that is androgenization. Right. So you can predict from testosterone levels, is this person a warrior or are they a warrior? Right. Very yeah. clear. And if they're a warrior, they likely will lean in that direction. Interesting. Right. Uh, yeah. And same thing is true for women. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's not that men are testosterone, men, women are estrogen. It's both have both. And it's just different degrees and different dials being turned. I think it's similar, uh, you know, whenever sorry. you go to, whenever you check into politics throughout history and moving forward, it really just depends on what's needing to be pushed at the time. Like I'm very apolitical, yes. obviously I, I used to enjoy some of the politics stuff. <laughs> one is just entertaining, <laughs> but, but that's one of the things I think when people slowly kind of get to a certain level of spirituality, they also get to a certain level of understanding with politics of going, oh, this, this truly mm -hmm. is just one coin with both sides. And it just depends on what we need to push at the time of which coin we need to yep. show the American public or whoever to, to push whatever we're working on at the time. Yeah, it's creating that balance to subdue whatever is the latest yeah. fire, right? 
and it's it's and uh, and you just if you're split in two, it's very easy to just keep bouncing back and forth. So, but you definitely see that. Um, you see also when it comes to metabolic pathways and general overall health. You know, people that are seeking support uh, are typically going to be. If you talk to, and I do this because of our business, I talk to the very conservative audiences and the very liberal audiences, and their concept of healthcare is very yeah. different. Right. The, you'll find that there's a lot more people that sort of self-healed are truly found root cause in the conservative world. And in the liberal world, it's more like, no, that's my doctor's job. That's so crazy because I feel right? like six years ago, it was the exact opposite. Most, you know, especially mm -hmm. me coming from the artist side and the actor side, it was predominantly liberal and, you know, um, democratic side of people that I was around 99% of the time. But those were also where a lot of my spiritual friends came from. Those were a lot of also, you know, my witches and my, my self healers and my, yeah. you know, all of those things that was the, the granola, the, the, the whole foods crowd that at the time I was pretty clear that we were all aware that big industry and pharma and all these other things, it was money period. <laughs> it was, it wasn't money, but it was money. And then had when all this thing started, which I, th I think also kind of led a little bit from the the Trump era where people just hated him so much that they were willing to switch over to wherever they needed to, whatever opposite side of this thing was was at the time. So I, I think it's so interesting because I had so many friends that were all about this pharmaceutical and then the other friends that were just like, there's no possible way I'm getting close to that. And it yeah. flipped after, you know. Our literal president changed. All of a sudden, it was the opposite. So I would always be like, "Wait, yeah. so you you took that Trump vaccine? Yeah. Wait, no, because yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hated it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I find with the same pathways we've been talking about that. So the brain drive neurotropic factor, the uh, adra to be the adrenaline response, that androgenization hormones. You have. Um, that leading to more of uh, somebody who is principled, meaning that they will do whatever they can to protect what they believe in. Then you have the opposite of that, which is more conformity, right? Which is like, I, I will go with the majority and I will support it. They're right. You know, and both are, have good intentions, right? One is like, these are my beliefs and yeah. I stick to it. The other is I'm not going to cause a disruption. Let's everybody move ahead together as a team, right? Both have good intentions. And that's, that was being just applied to a different context. And all of a sudden what happened is this, this conversation over this medication, you know, and this virus and everything caused a, a sort of a, a pulling in different directions, right? The, all of a sudden the conformity was mainstream, right? The, the, uh, with, with the medication as opposed to fighting the medication yeah. before because it was against health. And so that, that's kind of what we see on the genetic side is this highly principled or highly like, no, I got to stick with the crowd. So do you, do you, th obviously, so in, um, I've got two questions, but uh, let's go to balance first. Do you find that once people have kind of on the other side of working with you and they've found a little bit of balance, right? They're not, they're not getting super triggered for these things or this. Do you find that that balance also helps, obviously clarity comes to you, but do you think that tends to help people with discernment to, to be able to look at these two things? Because with acting, our, our job is literally to convince ourselves we believe this and stick with it, no matter what happens. Mm -hmm. mm. 
Wow, that's a cool question. So, <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think when, when I think about it and apply it to the people we've spoken to, right? I think definitely. And so here's a, it's, this is the awesome thing about the way genetics should be used as a tool. What geneticists believe and what academia believes is here's what this means. And now it's now in a textbook. And not only the, that here's what this means, but that's all that it means. Right. And it's, it, there's not, nothing else to glean from this versus your question. Yeah. It's it, that same problem can be solved by using your genetics. We can look at the code and figure out why does somebody lean to that kind of behavior versus not and how, why can somebody use that as their circle power versus they can't. And so now the coaching or the training is different. I can clearly think of the genetics that would drive that, yeah. but we have to ask the question, right? So the question, any, everything you do every day is a step towards betterment or a step towards getting worse, right? Whether it's your health, your mental health, your family, whatever, right? So all I'm saying in a nutshell is your genetic code will tell you how to always make the right choice. That is like, there's, here's the end, right? Here's the goal. And now how do I get there? It's not the same path yeah. for everybody. Right. And so, it, yeah. So the answer is yes. And the answer is it's yes for everything. It's beautiful it's yes and scary as fuck at the same time. <laughs> because, because in my head, I'm like, oh, we could help everybody come to this this discernment level of peace that we can all work our way through. And then in the back of my head, I yeah. said, but, but we don't have control of all that. So we don't know what other things could then be switched to. Well, well, I don't want that. I want people yeah. to all go in this direction. Mm. Look back yeah. to that. And so another one that I had for you was in the spiritual community. We always say that, um, our, our, our true level would be love, right? Our, where we all thrive best and, and a natural sense for us would all be love. Mm -hmm. But based on DNA, that's going to affect how you're looking and your perspective is on everything. So I guess even to that level, while we may all be created in love, there is not necessarily a balance that that begins with, right? I mean, obviously epigenetics affect us going forward with our parents, our, our teachers, our schools, or whatever we're affected by growing up that change our belief system. But at the beginning of that, are we all starting off on a, a basic level of peace and love or yeah, I got a couple thoughts there. One is no, right? We're, we highly variable and there's a few systems that kick in. So hormones, yeah. right? Somebody that's more estrogenized is going to be more EQ leaning, right? Someone that's more androgenized is going to be more in that warrior state. Like just, just get it done, the drive. Um, and the adrotropy or noradrenaline response, how efficiently do I actually learn from my emotional mistakes and then reapply Right. So the ability to actually love and forgive or hold a grudge, the yeah. opposite, it could be that I can't love because I'm in so much, so much pain. Right. Um, so th there's variables there. Uh, then there's a neurochemical clearance. So some people clear their chemicals too fast, so they can't be in the moment. And so although they may be feeling what they ex experience as love, the recipient doesn't get it. Right, the recipient is like you're cold, right? You do because for them it's a moment versus something else, right? Um, that's one. But hormones to me um, sort of jump out, uh, and that's where there's a lot of variability in perception, uh, and 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 you truly believe that that's real, 
the way you see the world, that's it, it's experience. I feel yeah. it. That just happened. Why do you not agree with me? And that creates this friction, right? And if you start to understand, I, I, any single time that we've clinically worked with a family, it has always turned into a couple's counseling session unintentionally. Because once we realize that, or they realize that, oh, you actually know how my brain works. Oh, that's why this, that's why this, that's, that's why I can't get along with this person. That's why I'm this person in the team. That's why I thrive when I do this. And it starts to make sense, the validation, right? So there's also that of perception and, you know, love requires peace, right? As opposed to friction, right? You're fighting over the friction doesn't lead to a state of love. So that, all of that, and there's more, we could talk about yeah, this for absolutely. an hour. Right? Um, all right. all right. So yeah, again, and, and, probably have to have have you come join me again because I, I've immensely enjoyed this. Um, it, it's funny there was I was having a conversation with another acting coach on here uh, a couple of days ago, and and as we were coming up with the stuff, I was kind of explaining how I'll I'll use this acting stuff to help people in their kind of their daily lives. And he mentioned something about relationships. I was like, oh my god, I think what a wonderful exercise for you and your wife to pick a topic that isn't the worst, but you know, can still kind of affect you in a certain way and, and act out the argument. Let yourselves both improv the argument. Do one where you really decide to try to be the worst personal human you can to each other, then do one where you try to do it peacefully. So that mm. when that thing comes up again, the one that tends to pop up pretty often, because you know, everybody's got that one thing they tend to argue about, you've both experienced the, you know, the 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 far yeah. ends of that argument, it's easier. It might even be funny now when they use the thing that wouldn't upset you normally, but that pre-experience to stuff. Um, at, at the last one I got for you, since we all have a certain level of belief, is there a way that, that people can help themselves to, to break beliefs that they've been stuck with that may not necessarily be helping them move forward, or at least that you feel? Yeah. Very potent toxin that we don't that we ignore these thought viruses, right? Like another form of virus, a constant trickle of inflammation will make you sick. There was a study, the longest health study that's ever happened that we know about was done by Harvard and it's still ongoing. It started, I think, in the 1930s, and they were trying to determine what's the single greatest factor for longevity. And they've studied hundreds and thousands of people, right? And so they said, and it, again, still going on. They said what they've come up with is that the number one factor in people that live to be centenarians is their relationships, right? So your the quality of your relationships. So people that have a small number of very high quality relationships will often live longer. Number one factor. And what does that speak to? It speaks to how toxic negative thoughts and beliefs are, what they do to your body. And so, first of all, question, can we or can't we? First of all, this should be a priority, right? Like the, even your question should be something that everyone asks of themselves. What are those programs, those thought viruses that are spinning? Especially, again, if you have suboptimal BDNF or suboptimal ADR2B and you ruminate, yeah. right? There's different cognitive profiles. Some people genetically ruminate more than others. They experience what we call shell shock. So the shell shock is I can't stop. It's not it feels bad. It's I can't stop thinking about it. Right. And that becomes chronic because right. the more you think about it, the more stress, the more cortisol makes you sick. Right. So you do have to rewire those thoughts. And often the brain 
the, it's again, superpower being treated as a kryptonite. The kryptonite, I can't stop thinking about it. It's crushing me. The superpower is you are a person that gets things done. The reason you can't stop thinking about it is because your brain is designed to resolve. Some people ignore and things fester, right? The person that ruminates and it's actually making them sick, it's because they're designed to resolve and get things done and they drive things forward and they just didn't resolve the thing. So even as simple as like writing in a notebook, you know, Thursday at five o'clock, I'm calling this person. Your brain doesn't know the difference between resolution or planned resolution. Got it. Because you've got the same feeling. So until right? Thursday and comes. All Sunday, yeah. Well, are, are you, you, the rumination will stop. It's kind of like your, your brain received, you're parking it, you're, you actively did something to resolve. Now the, the, the spinning stops. That's awesome. You know, we, and we use this as a tool for some people that can't sleep. Yeah. There's some people that as soon as they put their hello, pillow, oh, sorry, the head on their pillow, I wish I didn't say that. I should have tried to showed up five minutes earlier. Why didn't I mail that thing on time? And they just can't sleep. And it's, a, again, a BDNF problem. And so we teach them how to resolve even without resolving by convincing their body that it happened. So that's one. But again, depending on someone's unique genetics, we can know why they're stuck, first of all, and then deal with that precisely. Unwind that thought virus or whatever is ticking uh, and then that's one of the biggest things you can do for longitudinal health, according to this massive study that's been going on. You know, that's so awesome. I, 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 I have a, uh, one of my to-do lists and it's on the top, okay. it says, do it now, do it later. And then I added a third that's yeah. universe, do it. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> it's stuff that I know I, I want to do, but I, I don't, it's not the now current that I need to get it done, yeah. but it's something I plan on, on the manifestation side. Yeah. So I'll write it in universe, do it. And, uh, I'd be, you're surprised on like, by the end of the month, you get to go over to that letter, that section. And you're like, I'll be damned. Thanks. I'm going to mark that bitch yeah. off. Um, yeah. dude, thank you so much. I had so much fun. Um, is there anything that you want that you'd like to jump into for a sec before we wrap up? No, I mean, I, all I would say is that, you know, ditch the belief that, disease and aging go hand in hand it, that's what we've been taught to believe that you're gonna get so what the american average right now is you get your first chronic disease at the age of 55 you have two by 65 and you spend you spend the last 15 of years years of your life in treatment right so that's the expectation 66 percent of american personal bankruptcies are based on healthcare costs God. yeah so the truth is that you weren't born sick. And if you look at the innate structure of DNA, there's these caps on the end that are called telomeres that are like protective bumpers that are supposed to protect your DNA from whatever causes damage. If you look at the physical structure, they look like they're designed to last 120 years. So what does that tell you? We're supposed to be here for 120 and the things we do take years away. Yeah. The choices we make, the relationships, the food, the toxins, the environment, all that stuff takes years away. So you have the ability to make the right choices and not only live to 120 in terms of lifespan, but also health span, like be walking with your grandchildren at that age, not lying in a hospital bed. Yeah. So that's the one big message is chronic disease, the things you develop over time, we know why they happen. In in medicine, they aren't particular they aren't necessarily armed with the tools, right? It's like diagnose and and treat you know recommend a therapy as opposed to let's dig into your nutrition let's dig into your environment let's dig into your clothing that have forever chemicals yeah. for example that's what you need to be doing on your own 
is educate, learn, know what all the threats are, remove them. And then you can't have the inflammation. You can't have the bad immune system and your body can potentially get to 120 in good health. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's such a, it's, it's one thing I tend to push to everyone is stop with the belief that your doctor or this healthcare industry or that your government or that your regulatory agencies are there to help do everything for you. It is all yeah. business. It will always be business. Your business is for you. You need to do the business yeah. of understanding what is going in the foods that you're purchasing because most people don't look at it. I mean, we've had, I don't know how many baby food companies be sued over the past probably five or six yeah. years because of stuff. Even the or organic baby yeah. foods are full of heavy metals because that's not a qualification for organic. Nobody's checking. So, okay, we'll just leave it in there. Well, now they have what, <laughs> peel is the new spray they're going to be putting on stuff where yeah on the marketing side is like oh we're just using the stuff that's already on an apple to spray back on your food but then you go look at the actual paperwork and another story. it's horrible when you look at the actual composition there's an organic compound that i think makes up three percent and the other 97 or 98 percent is just a proprietary mix so they've labeled this one thing that's some organic fruit extract and 98 percent of it is other stuff that's not listed yeah you know, had, so uh, there's already companies like Costco and I think a couple other big box retailers that are rejecting it now. They're refusing to sell. Oh, it. great! That'd be awesome. Yeah, because I yeah, know I like Whole Foods good. and some of them had actually already signed on to it. So we yeah. got to hear some opposites. Yeah. Um, there was there was one other. There the was it the hot dogs? There was two percent human DNA found, and then it was like ten percent of the hot dogs were all vegetarian hot dogs. <laughs> Just look at your food. If you can't pronounce it, that's a yeah. simple one. If you can't pronounce it, don't eat it. Yeah. it it's crazy yeah. when you think backwards of like, you know, we went through our grandparents' era where meat, meat, cattle, and dairy became the, the subsidies. So that was pushed majority. And then as those subsidies started changing, all of a sudden our our food triangle flipped upside down. It's like, oh, we're supposed to eat a lot of wheat, yep. but we didn't tell you. We switched up the types of wheat. We changed all these things. And then we start going into the, oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm gluten intolerant and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, no, that's not necessarily the problem. It's what we did to that gluten that now affects yeah. you. And the Yeah. Uh, and the food pyramid is a joke. Lucky Charms ranked higher than a steak. <laughs> You know, so I wouldn't rely on that. I just can't. And and having the conversations with people that are still locked into that, that just, you know, we, we for acting, we tend, when, anytime we take on character, your your job is to find your, your way of looking at the world from their perspective, from the place that what you're doing is good. It doesn't matter mm. if you're literally taking on Hitler you have to find a perspective that you believe you're doing this for good because humans don't do mm. stuff for, for bad. Technically, there's a good reason that they're doing it, right? We're going for reward. So we're mm. always having to find it from that perspective. And I think that's such a, a thing that humans in general get locked in on is they always think they're, they're doing what's good and it's hard for them to take a flip and, and try to ask themselves, mm. what if, what if the absolute opposite of what I think is true is true? Mm. And that was the thing that I found that acting did the best for me. It forced me to have to flip the coin and look on the other side. So I always found that for my best self-exploration, it was trying to go in and find what the worst part was. Find my 
find mm-hmm. my hate, find my anger, find the issues yeah. that I never wanted to deal with and make peace, find a way to, to understand them better so that now they become, again, kind of a superpower to you versus them just mm-hmm. being locked up power that you don't have access to anymore. Yeah, that's awesome. That's amazing. Thank you, man. Yeah. I had a lot of fun. Pleasure. Great talking to you, man. All right. Uh, and everyone paying attention, I will put all of the information down below so you guys can go follow him on all the different platforms. Uh, if you get a chance, go do some work with him because I think I might be uh, barking up your tree soon, sir. Let's do it. If you are enjoying the conversation and would like to learn more about our acting and spiritual connection, go to thedeanwest.com and there is a course that dives a little more into the understanding of our universal connection. It then goes into a beginner acting course that is great for actors and any human that wants to learn a new way of approaching their manifestation journey. My first book, The Actor's Gift to Manifestation, is live on Amazon and there will be a digital version on my website. And stay tuned as The Actor Alchemist will be coming out very soon, followed by the actor's reconstruction of beliefs and empowering perspectives. Oh